open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. First book in the Bible. We're going to be actually on the last page of Genesis. Genesis chapter 50 is where we'll be at. Um, you know, as, as we're in this series, Sea of Victory, the, the idea is taking a, look at, taking a look at some of the lyrics from this song. A song that, a song that really boldly proclaims that we are going to see victory. That, that we serve a God who, who doesn't fail. We serve a God who cares for us. We serve a God who is powerful. We serve a God, um, a God that is just worthy of our worship and our praise. And, and today we're looking at the kind of the bridge of the song. And, and in it, it says, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. We're going to look into just this idea that there is a very real enemy who intends evil on in our lives. There's a very real enemy who, who means to harm us harm us, who means to destroy us, who, whose purpose and goal is to cause us to remain separated from God. But the victory, as we talked about in the first message of this series, ultimately victory is found in our relationship with Christ and in our salvation. It's in our eternal home. That's what true victory is. The book of um, 1 Corinthians goes into those details. It quotes from the Old Testament, understanding that death for a believer is swallowed up in victory. That when followers of Christ die, that is a victory that we're now home with the Lord. And so as we look through this series and, and we begin to understand that there is a very real enemy who desires to separate us from God. That enemy, that enemy comes in many forms and, and we're going to look at, at a pretty cool um, story from from those first people who knew the Lord. We're going to look into Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. It's the kind of the end of the story of Joseph. It, it tells us this. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I'm going to have them put something up on the screen that I'm going to try to take time to be delicate in explaining it. But the kind of the point of this message is is this, what, what the enemy means for evil is often seen immediately. What God turns for good is often seen eventually. Now, let me just be very clear here. Um, there are times where the enemy who is deceitful and cunning and willing to slowly play the game to see a person's life fall apart, he'll play the slow game. And little things, and little things that begin to break away at our life and begin to tear us down. And, and so there are times where what the enemy means for evil is, is seen and felt eventually as, as more and more of the scheme is revealed. But in so many cases, what the enemy means for evil is seen, it's felt immediately. The pain of, of tragedy, the pain of, the pain of sin, the pain of things that occur in our life that, that the enemy meant for evil. This story of Joseph, and we're going we're gonna to just talk through the story of Joseph. 
the scheme of the enemy that was meant for evil was Joseph being sold into slavery and having his father told he was dead. That was seen and felt immediately. Joseph and his father both, both saw and felt immediately the pain of that scheme. But eventually they saw how God turned it for good. The other extreme to that is God can turn things for good immediately. God is God. God is all-powerful. God can do anything that God desires to do within his character. God can take a bad situation and immediately change it. There have been people who, who have been immediately delivered from drug addictions. People have been immediately healed from, from injuries or from different things. There's been people who God, where God does these things immediately. So this message is not to say... It is always what the enemy means for evil is felt immediately and what God turns for good comes eventually. I'm just looking at a lot of times this is how it goes. That the enemy does something. The enemy means something for evil. He intends evil in your life. And what we see is the perspective over time, looking back and recognizing, yeah, that hurt. That was painful. That was difficult. That wasn't fun. But I look now and I recognize that God has done something great in all of it. That God took what was meant for evil and he turned it for good. It is a statement of hope because when we face difficult times and we wonder why and we wonder how and we wonder, we wonder where is God in all of it, having that hope that eventually... God is going to turn this for good. I'm going to see how God is using this for good. I might not see it now. I may not see it tomorrow. But someday I will see and recognize how God took this event, how God took this thing, and has turned it for good. We look at the story of Joseph. It begins back in chapter 37 of Genesis. And Joseph is the 11th of 12 sons. He is the favorite son. And he has this dream about his brothers one day bowing down to him. Now, this doesn't make the brothers very happy. It also didn't make the brothers very happy that he was given the um, Technicolor dream coat. Um, doesn't make them happy that Joseph is dad's favorite. He doesn't like that. They don't like that. They don't appreciate it. So they scheme against him. And they come up with this plot. They, they, have him, he, they put him down in a pit. They sell him off to, to some slave traders and then they fake his death, death and they bring back a, the bloodied cloak back to his father and say, your son is gone, he's dead. The story of Joseph continues as, as this boy who is sold into slavery. They, many scholars, um, as, as our good Sunday school teacher will tell you, many scholars disagree on everything, um, but many of them agree that, uh, that Joseph was likely about 17 years old, 16 years old when this event occurred, right? So Joseph is, a, Joseph is a teenage boy. This event has taken place. He's been sold into slavery. And he ends up in the home working for a man named Potiphar. He finds favor in Potiphar's eyes. He becomes the head of the household. But ultimately... He finds favor in Potiphar's wife's eyes, if you know what I mean. 
Um, he hits this point where Potiphar's wife is, desires him, and she tries to lure him into the bedroom. And, and Joseph, being a man of integrity and a man of honor, flees and runs, takes off. Now the wife who is spurned, who is mad about this whole event, tells a lie and shares with her husband that it was Joseph who came on to her. It was Joseph that attacked her. And so Joseph now goes from being the head of this household, overseeing everybody, to now being in prison. He spends this time in prison, and and as he's there, as in every other circumstance of his life, he gains favor. He, he beca- he's a leader. He, he's seen as someone to follow after. He's, he's identified as the favorite. Back to when he was a kid with his dad in Potiphar's home and now in the prison, people look up to him. He gets to the point that he's overseeing as an inmate what's taking place in the prison. And as, he, um, as this occurs, the Lord begins to put dreams in people's minds. And Joseph begins to interpret these dreams. He interprets the dream of the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Kidding, it was just the butcher and the cup cup bearer. But he interprets their dreams and and he says, when you go before Pharaoh, remember me. When these dreams come true, remember that I interpreted them. Well, they go and unfortunately the the, um, one who had the dream that he would be killed by Pharaoh is killed by Pharaoh and the other one who had the dream that he would be promoted is promoted but the one who lived to tell about it forgot for another two years Joseph spends down in that prison but then Pharaoh starts having these troubling dreams these, these horrific dreams of skinny cows and fat cows and he's not sure what to do about it all and all of the people in the palace all of the people who who can interpret dreams for Pharaoh, none of them can figure out what the dreams mean or about. And, and the man whose dream was interpreted by Joseph says, hey, hey, I remember there was a guy in prison. Let's go get him. Joseph comes and he interprets this dream. He, um, it's estimated at this point, um, he's, it's been about 15 to 20 years after he was sold. So Joseph comes before Pharaoh, he, he interprets the dream, and he finds favor in Pharaoh's eyes. We, we, see, that, we see that he now has favor in Pharaoh's eyes. He, he manages through the seven years of plenty that the dream spoke of. He manages through the famine, the seven years of famine. And from the point of the dream, and I misspoke a moment ago, from the point of when he was sold to the point of when we think the family comes to Egypt to find food, to find help, Joseph's family, it's been, it's been probably 15 to 20 years. The story goes that the brothers come and, and Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. They would have never dreamt that this brother they sold to slavery would now be second in command in the kingdom. But as, the, they're, as they're there, he says, go and bring home my other son. Bring him back to me. And the brothers, knowing what they had done to Joseph, we can't allow that to happen. We can't bring him back. And they, they, there's this big debate and this fight. And Joseph plays some hardball. And he says, we're not helping you unless you bring this son to me. 
they bring the boy back and the story continues on and eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. We see the fulfillment of the first dream Joseph had that all of his brothers bow down before him. We see all of this take place and, and Joseph ultimately moves his father and all of their family and all of their possessions and everything down to the land of Egypt and they're given a special place in the land and, and what the enemy meant for evil, the selling of him to slavery, suddenly you look back and see the perspective of the good. But it's, in, it's about 17 years later now we're talking 30, 35 years after Joseph was sold into slavery, his father dies. It's in chapter 50, verse 15, his brothers reveal that their fear is that Joseph will now finally pay them back. That Joseph put on a good face for dad. Joseph did well for, just Joseph covered it up. Joseph waited until dad was gone and then Joseph would pay it all back. And so the context of this verse that we read earlier is the brothers are fearful. The brothers are afraid that the evil they had done was now coming back to them. And Joseph stands there and says, what you meant for evil, God has turned for good. Because you sold me into slavery, because you abandoned me, because you told our father that I was dead, I came to Egypt and I rose up in favor. And because of that, I was able to interpret a dream. And I've been, able to, I've been able to lead and manage our country's wealth and assets and food supply so that you could have life. What you meant for evil, God turned for good. And it tells us there, and we read it earlier, he said this to bring comfort to them. Understanding that that statement applies to the pain of our own life, to the struggles that we all face. That understanding that, that what the enemy has meant for evil, God turns for good, is a comfort to us because we can sit there and realize, I might not know today, I may not know tomorrow, but eventually I will see how God used this for good. To... Um, when you look back at the scripture and how God's plan had unfolded, we see some unique things about Joseph. We see that he stays faithful to God in every moment of this. He gets sold, he stays faithful. He gets lied about and imprisoned, he stays faithful. He, he gets forgotten about, he stays faithful. He gets put into authority, he stays faithful. In the bad times and in the good time, Joseph stayed faithful. He gets an opportunity for revenge, but he stays faithful. Staying, by staying faithful to God, Joseph eventually sees the good of that circumstance, that situation. But you look at the entire story of Scripture and the, an understanding that when we, when we talk about the things God has done, we, we have to look at the big picture of it all. But the big picture is there was an enemy who meant evil by separating us from God. 
There is an enemy who, who desires to see people not have relationship with God, but God turns things for the good. And we see time and time again, God make a plan to see people come to him. We see all throughout the Old Testament, these stories of, of God's plan carrying on that ultimately lead to Christ and ultimately lead to Jesus Christ dying for our sins so we can be reunited with God, so we can be made right with God. But had God not turned for good the evil that was done to Joseph, it is in all likelihood the promise that God had made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, Joseph's father, that they would become a great nation would have starved to death in the wilderness. God turned these things to good for many reasons, and one of them is there was a bigger picture, bigger than Joseph. It wasn't just about Joseph's life. It was about the story. It was about, it was about salvation. It was about providing a way. And Joseph stayed faithful in it all. What the enemy had meant for evil, to wipe out that generation, to wipe out that line, to wipe out those promises, God turned for good. To make it personal, we experience events that are meant for evil that are seen and felt immediately. I look back now, and I'll just share it. I look back now at when I was five and my parents got divorced, I saw and I felt immediately the evil of that. I saw and I felt immediately the pain of that. I, I experienced it. I walked through it. I, I understood how hard it was for me as a, as a kid. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, and those, at that time, I went, to, I went to a little private Lutheran school called Epiphany Lutheran. And uh, I remember being in classes, and I was the only kid in my class whose parents were divorced. And you know what's funny about it, and it's funny now I look back and it, it doesn't bother me, but um, I would get picked on. At least my parents are still married, which is a, such a dumb thing to pick on a kid, but I remember how bad it hurt. Um, now I, I just spent the day the other day in class with my, my boys and I had an opportunity in one of their classes to spend basically one-on-one -on -one time with, with the majority of the class, helping them with this little thing. And, and I can't tell you how many of them, of the 10 or 12 that I sat down with, how many of them in just our little bit of one-on-one -on -one time mentioned something about, oh, yeah, I need to be at my mom's house this weekend. I've got to be, I'm going to my dad's this weekend. Understanding that the generation has completely changed. And uh, I look at it now, and I, I look back at, I look back at my childhood, and I look back at the pain of seeing your parents' marriage fall apart. And, and for me, it was painful, and me, it, it did affect my life. But I look back at it now, and I see all of the things that God has done for good. I look back at at the fact that I have, I've got the most amazing. Um, I'll just say it, bonus parents. My stepmom likes to call me her bonus son. And I've got these extra parents that just, that love me and love my wife. 
I love my kids. I've got extra grandparents. Um, I've got extra people in my life. I can't imagine what my life would be like had that not occurred. So what hurt so bad at the time, some 30 years later, not quite 30 years later, almost 30 years later, I look back at it and I go, man, so much good came out of something so hard. There are other events that we face in life. Times of difficulty and sorrow and trial that we look back and and in the moment, we don't understand why, we don't understand how. There, there's just, it's too difficult to comprehend. But eventually, we see God turning those things for good. We see, we see how, how God has used those things to shape us and to mold us, to give us strength. Occasionally, it's what God uses that thing for good is to be able to be there and to help somebody else who goes through a similar event. I, I remember um, when I was back in, back in Maple Grove, we had, a, unfortunately, one of the staff pastor's wife, wives died tragically, suddenly. And we had just transitioned to a new lead pastor who several years prior, his wife died tragically and, and suddenly. Two men, very similar situation, but in a very different place in life. One feeling that brokenness, the rawness of loss. And I remember being with him and talking with him and him saying to me, I don't know how I'm going to continue in ministry in this. I don't know how I'm going to continue in all of this. I know I've, I've continued in my faith, but I don't know how I can keep any of this other stuff going on. And, and to have our new pastor, having gone through those same things, I think it was a lifesaver for him. That suddenly what was meant for evil, suddenly what the harm that had come, there was a good that could come out of it. An opportunity to say, I made it through, you can make it through. I, I've been there. God brought me past it. God brought me through it. He can bring you through also. Sometimes it's a, a realization that your tragedy today, your faithfulness through it all, is the testimony that God wants to use for somebody's tragedy down the road to help them connect to help them continue, to help them find faith, to help them stay faithful. We don't always understand why in the moment. We don't understand the message behind it, the meaning behind it. But we understand that what the enemy meant for evil, God can and God will turn for good. But so often we need the perspective of time to see it. John 10.10 is a a passage that that Jesus speaks. He he says, um, for the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you might have life and have it abundantly. We understand that theft, we understand that death, 
we understand that destruction can be felt immediately. But life and life abundantly sometimes are not experienced until eventually. Understanding that Jesus' words were this promise of eternity. That there is a real enemy who comes to steal. Stealing your relationship with God. There is a real enemy who, whose desire is death and destruction. Separation of you from God. But the reason Jesus came was for us to experience life and life to the fullest. But that experience is oftentimes an experience that we feel eventually. But if we are like Joseph and we stay faithful, if we stay faithful to God and and through it all, in the toughest parts, in the hardness of it, eventually we see it. We look back and we go, there it is. That's the reason. That's, That's the good that came from it. But we have to stay faithful. This is one of the hopes that we have. If we're in the middle of what the enemy meant for evil, God can and God will turn it for good. And if you stayed faithful to see what God has turned for good, you can stay faithful the next time the enemy means something for evil. Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I do understand all things means all things. We understand that that if we are in Christ, if we stay faithful to him, all things are turned for good. It doesn't matter what you're facing today. It doesn't matter the, the giants in your path. It doesn't matter the things you've been praying over and fasting for. It doesn't matter. All things can be worked together for the good. All things. But it requires us to be like Joseph, to stay faithful through all things. Can God turn all things for good quickly? Yes. Yes, he can. Yes, he has. But he doesn't always. And it's my opinion, at least from my own experiences, and some of the scriptures that we read, that usually what has been turned for good is seen eventually. What I think about this is, is I believe that the events meant for evil are painted by a counterfeit. By someone who's just trying to copy. That there is a very real enemy who's trying to give you a reality that is just a copy of what could be. Just a cheap knockoff. Just a fake. But the events turned for God are created by a master artist. One who loves and desires to work all things together for your good. And if you've ever read about famous painters, famous sculptors, 
these master artists. These, these great works of art are not completed in, in just a moment, in just a day, in just a little bit of time. They are often worked on and perfected slowly over time, made perfect. Have you ever noticed the difference in detail of something that is cheap and easy and something that is just masterfully perfected. The precision, the details, they don't come just overnight. They're weaved together. They're painted onto the canvas with so much delicacy and so much intentionality. And oftentimes, our perception of God and who God is is shaped by the counterfeit thing we're given when tragedy strikes. And we say things like, well, how can a good God allow this? How can, how can God ever turn this for good? And we fall prey to this counterfeit reality that we've been given. But God is a master craftsman who loves you so much he sent his only son to come and die for you so that you could have life and have life to the fullest. And the tapestry in which he is painting on. What he's trying to create in your life is the most beautiful story. It's the most beautiful picture. But it takes time to see it happen. If you want to see a victory in your life, it requires faithfulness. It requires faithfulness to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm following you. God, I believe in you. God, I know you can take this and turn it for good. It requires us to be like Joseph, to remain faithful in all of the good times, in the bad times. Faithful when we have opportunities for revenge. Faithful when we have opportunities for personal gain. Faithful when everything is ripped away from us. We have to stay faithful. Would you stand with me? And we're going we're gonna to close... Understanding, and you can come to the piano. Nice way to do it. Um, we're just going to take a moment. Just sing through one of those choruses. Um, but I want to encourage you to, to contemplate what is the most difficult thing you are facing today? What thing that has been meant for evil? Maybe it's something from 20 years ago that you've just held on to. Maybe it's something from the here and the now, what's coming up in the next few weeks that you are so uncertain of and you don't know what's going to take place. But would we, as we just sing for a moment, can you imagine that thing? And what if you just said something that maybe is a little crazy, but if you just said, Lord, you know this situation, no matter what occurs, I trust you. It might not go right. It, it might be devastating. Three weeks from now, you may experience the most pain you've ever felt in your life. 
but do you trust God? Do you trust that God can turn it for good? Do you trust that eventually you're going to see God's hand in it all? Let's take a moment. Let's sing this song together. We'll close in prayer. God, you do turn things for good. Your word is so clear of, Lord, the good you have waiting for us. Lord, I ask for strength for each and every one of us, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we've been holding on to. Lord, you are good enough Lord, you are, you are trustworthy enough, enough. Lord, you are worthy of us to say, we trust you. We trust that you will make it good. We'll trust that we'll see your plan eventually. We'll trust, Lord, 
that you don't make us go through it alone. We'll trust, Lord, that you don't make us um, that you don't make us wander and and face it by ourselves. We'll trust that you, God, are with us. That you are God with us. Lord, that you send people to be near us in those seasons and those times. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Help us to receive help when we need help. Help us to give it when we see it needs to be given. Lord, help us to be like Joseph. Through thick, through thin, over the years of a life, help us to stay faithful to you. Pray as we go this morning that, Lord, you would be with us. Whatever we face this week, you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I just feel I should do this this morning. I don't normally say this, but um, if you need prayer, um, a lot of times I say, hey, we've got a prayer team, and I try to get to the door to catch people. But I feel like I should pray for some folks today. So if you're here and you need prayer, I, it would be my privilege to pray for you. And so otherwise you can be dismissed, and I'm just going to stay here and wait if anybody would like prayer today. <laughs>